the following happened. So there is a couple that's from Sidon. From Sidon. Sidon was a, was a town, is a town actually still, in Lebanon. Back in the day, Jews were there. Um, part, used to be part of Israel. It's still part of the It's really the land of Israel. Um, and there was a couple there. And the couple were married for about 10 years. Seemingly, the couple was very, very uh, influential, also very wealthy. But they had a big problem. After 10 years of marriage, no children. And in Jewish sources, there's room to say, it's not, it's not a discussion for now, but after 10 years of marriage, there's room to say that you can get divorced. Okay, it's, not, it's not necessarily, do you have to get divorced? That's a different discussion. But there's room to say that, you, that at that point, um, either side can kind of say that you can, you, it's legitimate, quote-unquote, to, to get divorced. Again, whether, whether you should, whether you shouldn't, whether it's the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do, again, that's not the discussion for now. And you'll see from the story that it's, it's not necessarily encouraged. But again, we'll, we'll leave that for a different time. So the couple actually said, you know, they said to each other, I think we should get divorced. Ten years of marriage. No children. We should move on. So they go to Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. They go to the rabbi and say, listen, can you, can you set up and make us the get? The get is the div- write up the, the divorce document. So the husband then would give the divorce document to the wife. And, and that's how you split. As a side note, the idea is splitting of the souls. When you get married, your souls actually are united. They connect. What you're doing in a Jewish wedding and creating the chuppah and all the things, it's not ceremony. A lot of people today think it's, it's, a, it's a nice ceremony, you know, it's a Jewish custom. Nothing to do with it. Again, we're back to reality. What you're doing is you're fusing your souls together. And when, you're, when you do the divorce document and the husband gives the divorce document to his wife, what it means is it's called Sefer Kritut in Hebrew. It means... Cutting, splitting, tearing. You're literally ripping your soul apart from the other person's soul. That's what you're doing. So they come to Rabbi Shimon and ask him, Rabbi Shimon, we've been married 10 years, no children. We came to the decision. We need to to get divorced. So Rabbi Shimon looks at them. And as uh, if you've ever seen a real Kabbalist, I can imagine Rabbi Shimon, when he looks into you, looks in, he pierces into your soul and looks in depth into your soul and tells them a very strange course of action. He says, no problem. I'll write it up for you. However, on condition, first, you guys are going to go and make a massive party. 
They're like, jump back. Massive party. <laughs> Before you get divorced, you know, you, when you guys got married, I think Rabbi Shimon was there. It's not a part of the, the discussion, <laughs> but it, it seems like he was there, you know, whatever. It was a massive party. They had like a big, big, you know, party that everyone was invited to and everyone knew about. And it was like a massive event. He says, just like you made that massive party when you were married 10 years ago, you have to make that same massive, massive party again right before you get divorced. Now, this is a divorce party. They look at it and you know, like, this is not normal Jewish custom, right? This is not something you do, right? When, when you get divorced, you know, even, even if the guy is really bad or uh, the girl is really bad, you know, you... When you're getting divorced, you don't make a party. It's like, you know, God forbid, when someone has chemo, you don't like go, All right, let's, let's make a party after you have a, you know, a person who goes to have chemo, right? It, it, it's, not, it's not something you, you, you do a massive party for. But anyway, it's Rabbi Shimon. That's the advice he gave. The couple looks at each other. Okay, you know, it's the, the, big, the biggest Kabbalist in the world. What do you want? That's what he says. That's what we'll do. So they make this massive party make a massive party, invite everyone, everyone's there, and everyone, everything is there, all, imagine all the drinks that you had, all the scotch, you know, all the, the, the 40-year liqueurs, right, everything that the, everyone would want, Wines. right, wine from 2007, right, everything, <laughs> everything is available for them to drink, it's, it becomes a, just an unbelievable event. All the food, that they made it like, they went all out, all decked out, just like the wedding that they remembered 10 years before. So the husband is drinking, and he's drinking more, and then the wife gives him some more. She spikes. She gives him some extra alcohol, and actually, that is brought down. They, they, she actually spiked his drink a little bit more. Gave him some spicy drinks, and I guess added some alcohol to extra alcohol to it. So he's nice and high and happy. And he says to and he says to her and he says to her, you know what? When he's you know in his in his level of uh, of tipsiness. He says to her, I don't want you to leave with just nothing and, and us to just break like this. Choose whatever you want. Whatever you want. The most precious thing that we have. And this has nothing to do with the divorce documents and what I owe you and what we'll split for. But leave that out. I want you to take, because I know this is, this is it. You're going to probably go to your, back to your parents' house. I want you to take with you the most valuable item. Whatever you want. Choose it. Take it. Just take it with you. Anything. Anything that you find to be the most precious item that we've collected over the last 10 years. Whatever you want. Just take it. Take it with you. I, I want you to. I, I want you to have it, and I want you to. I want you to make sure that you are comfortable and settled. So please, at least, just start with that. Take whatever item you choose. So he has a few more drinks and a few more drinks, and then, obviously, what happens when when you have uh, so many drinks? Pass out. Pass out. <laughs> so he passes out. So she commands the servants. Lift him up, pick him up, 
take him to my parents' house. <laughs> she drags him to her parents' house, in the room, wakes up the next day, says, you know, drunk in stupor still after, after everything, wakes up, looks up, and says, like, well, where the heck am I? I'm not in my house. Where am I? And then he sees his wife coming, and he's like, what, what, what the heck, where'd you, where'd you take me? She said, I followed your instructions. What instructions are that? Where am I? Oh, you're at, you're at, my, uh, at your in-laws. He said, I would never, ever instruct you to take me to the in-laws. So I know you're lying. So she said, it's, no, no, no. You instructed me to take the most valuable, most precious item. And I did. There's nothing more precious. There's nothing more precious than I have in life more than you. And I took you with me. They both started crying and said, okay, we got to go to Rabbi Shimon. Go back to Rabbi Shimon. Tell him the whole story. And he says, okay, now it's time to pray. Now it's time to pray. So Rabbi Shimon prays. They pray. And nine months later, they have a child. And obviously, divorce is off. That's the end of the story. And the, the, the story, not the story, but the medrash, the, the part in the oral law finishes saying, saying very clearly, that just like Hashem is poked akarot, gives, um, is able to give the barren woman a, a, a child, the tzaddik, the righteous man, is also able to do that. And that was Rabbi Shimon. So a few basic questions on, on, on the story. Some basic questions. Anyone have any basic questions? Think about some very basic questions on the story. What was going on? There's two very basic questions we have to ask. Well, they, I don't think they stopped loving each other. I mean, was divorce just brought up because they couldn't have children or they didn't get along? And se- seemingly divorce came up because they couldn't have children, right? That's that I would say that's we'll, we'll we'll solidify that question, but that's definitely one of the questions. Yeah. Did did the Rebbe have that in mind? You know, when he told them like why did he tell them to have a party? Was it because he knew that that would happen, you know? Question is why why have this why have this party? What's the point? What's yeah. the what was the purpose? Definitely it's uh, we'll connect those questions. Well, another more basic basic question on the, on the, on the on the story though. A more basics off, what? Was it based off tradition? Like traditionally speaking, you know? No, again, there's no such law to, to have a party before you get divorced, right? Yeah. Anyone else? Basic question. Pray. What? Why not just pray from the beginning? Oh, that's the question. Yeah. Why not pray from the beginning? If we say, if we say the whole process, at the especially the end statement, 
the tzaddik, the big righteous man, the, 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 the Kabbalist, can go and create with his prayer to be able to take a woman that's barren and be able to create a situation that, that she is able to become pregnant? So why didn't Rabbi Shimon do it from the start? Why did he have to do it and wait? Why did he have to do set up this whole whole thing and then only after? Oh, now it's time to pray. Time to pray from the start. They said they can't have kids from ten years. He should have started praying and do the do the magic, do the thing. No, he wanted to make sure that they were like in love and they're in a good marriage. They had to earn it. That they really want to be together and make it work. So let's 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 break it down. Let, let's let's make this very clear. You're 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 on the right path. Let's make this really clear. And and it's, and it's super critical. This part could be very critical for us in understanding life. Our viewpoint on life. is very, I would say, in terms two-dimensional, black and white. Two-dimensional black and white. We have a very superficial way of looking at life, a very superficial way of looking at life. It's, it's not the, the aspect of life that we look at is always in the nature of well, is this good for me? Do I have to fulfill these certain rules to do these certain technical points? Do I have to fulfill certain goals that I have in my life? There's something greater. There's something that goes way beyond that. Something that breaks all aspects of life, of nature, of technicalities of life. We have a concept, okay, you know what? Even in, even in a normal framework, even in a normal healthy quote-unquote framework, I'm going to get a job, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have kids, I'm going to raise those kids, I'm going to retire, I'm going to go sit on the beach in Florida. <laughs> right? Even, even in that like technical structure of life, we are missing out. We're missing out. Even if you're in a quote-unquote framework of religion, even if you're in a quote-unquote framework of religion, you're missing out on a major aspect of life. What is that major aspect? Says Rabbi Shimon, let's go back to, to Rabbi Shimon and who he was and where he came from. Very powerful story. Story goes like this, and it's brought down in the Gemara and Shabbat. Gemara and Shabbat tells us that Rabbi Shimon was sitting and discussing with another rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda ben Gerim. Rabbi Yehuda, the son of converts. Rabbi Yehuda... Ben Gerim looked around and he said he saw the Romans and what they built. They built bathhouses, they built structures, they built pools, they built bridges, 
And he's like, wow, these guys, these guys are awesome. They build so much. They develop the world so much. Rabbi Shimon looked at it and said, you know what they built this stuff for? All for themselves. They built the bathhouses for their own indulgence. They made these places of, of entertainment for prostitution and sexual immorality. They made the bridges so they can collect money and taxes just, get, just to build up their own wealth. It's all for their own benefit. They didn't do this for the world. So this other guy that was listening in basically went and snitched on Rabbi Shimon. And he and his son had to run away. They ran away to a cave. They literally went into sand to hide in the cave. And it says, miraculously, there was water that came and they had a carob tree that grew and they lived off this carob tree. Again, the carob tree is mystical and there's de- a depth of, of Kabbalah, of what it means, the carob tree. We're leaving all that stuff out. What it means, the water and the drinking of the water, leaving that out. He's there for 12, he's there for 12 years. Him and his son. They come out. They come out. After they come out of the cave, after 12 years, the first thing they see is people plowing and working the fields and, and being busy with normal day life. And it says he like has a fire. Fire coming out of him like, are you kidding me? This is what you Jews are busy with now? This is what we're doing? Like just being involved in the regular day life? And this may be where a lot of Persians get like the, the evil eye. If you're one of those, maybe that it was a real fire. No, maybe it was the evil eye and it, the spiritually it, uh, it destroyed the crops, whatever. Again, we'll leave that out for, for, for a different time. So there came out a call, Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon, this is what you studied for the, the whole time to destroy my world. Go back to the cave. So he goes back for another 12 months. After 12 months, it says, the, the, the terminology says, after 12 months, even the, the bad people get out of the depths of Jehanam, for, for our Persians, right? <laughs> even, even... Who's teaching you this stuff? Yeah. You like that one, huh? Okay. Anyway, it is recorded. So if you... He says, he says, that, therefore, he gets out after 12 months. After 12 months, he gets out, and he's a completely changed individual. How much so, when his father-in-law first sees him, he sees that he's been in sand, so the sand dries up your skin. It says every part of his body was cracked. Like literally his skin was cracking. He was in so much pain because of all the cracks in his skin. And his father-in-law started crying when he saw him, not only because he saw him for the first time after that long time, but he saw the pain of what he was going through. And Rabbi Shimon answers and he says, if you wouldn't have seen me the way I am now, you wouldn't understand me who I am now. From the transformation of what he went through, and the pain of the experience, it changed his whole being. 
His whole being had been transformed. What was that transformation? The transformation was, in essence, the Kabbalist, in the Zohar, it brings down, in, in the book of the Zohar, it says it brought him to the point of understanding that the point and the goal of life is to look at every individual and to every person with an aspect of love. To look past the surface area of who they are. The goal and the purpose of life is not to fulfill some kind of scoreboard or gain points. The point of life is not to understand and just say, you know what, I, wanna, I will be a good person. The point of life is to go way beyond that and develop a relationship of complete connection based on love. The terminology that's brought down is if the I'll say it in English because it's it's uh, Aramaic Kabbalistic language. If you would have known, you the Jewish people would know how much Hashem is desiring your love. You would be screaming out like lions, and chasing and chasing after that experience. To cling to that love. If you would only develop the passion and the desire, if you would only develop the passion and desire to have that connection, to develop that passion and love, then you would understand what life is really about. What the purpose and the goal of life is all about. So going back to the story, going back to that, that experience of, the, of what he set up. He's looking at a couple. He's looking at a couple. A beautiful couple. He saw them get married 10 years before probably. Again, it does, it's not describing. I'm throwing that in. But it seemingly he sees a couple that got married 10 years ago. With all of the the hope and desire of building a home. And they understand that life brings you challenge, rips you apart, puts cracks all of your body. The goal of that is not to just have, you're supposed to have your cookie cutter, straight, easy life and say, I'm going to be a, a good person and live life on a very basic, simple manner of just fulfilling what I need to do in a very mathematical, calculated, but without any life to it. There's not a point of just saying, the, the point of life is not about practicalities of achieving the next step. You don't get married only to have children. That should be a product to everyone. But that's not the only aspect of getting married. The point of getting married is to develop a relationship, a deep relationship with another human being. To go break past who you are. Break past the selfishness and develop a real bond of love where you can give yourself over to another person and create a depth and a love between two human beings that creates 
the greatest form of relationship in this world, which is only an analogy to the type of relationship that you should be building with Hashem. So he looks at this couple that comes back to him after 10 years, and they don't want to have a child, and they're ready to get divorced. He says to them, when you need, you're stuck. You're stuck where you are. Why didn't he pray that minute? Because he's looked at him and says, in your state, there is no blessing. I can't create the blessing unless you create the instrument. Going back to our example, you may take a person from 1990 and put him in here and say, where's the Wi-Fi? And he'll look at you like you're an alien. What are you talking about? He doesn't even understand what the concept of Wi-Fi and having an instrument to bring it down. You look at these uh, people around, around us in Los Angeles and maybe yourself. You look at ah, spirituality, God, religion, Judaism. It's all touchy-feely, this stuff. It's, where is it? Where is it? There's no, there's no need. There's no reality to it. Because you, you don't have the instrument to bring it down. You have to have the instrument to bring it down. He looks at them and says, I can't make a blessing. I can't ask Hashem to give them a blessing now because they have to be the instrument. They have to create within themselves. They're stuck in their life. They're stuck in the world. They're too much on their phones. They can't break out of Facebook. They can't, they can't live a normal life. They, they're all stuck in this, this crazy world that they can't break out of and look at something greater. They can't build themselves into an instrument to connect to the higher reality. But it's there. It's there for you. You just have to break out. So he says to them, you know what he says to them? I see what's going to, I have to do. I'm going to make a party right before they get divorced. And hopefully, with that party, right before the moment that they're about to get divorced, they realize the life is not about the simple practicalities of life. We get married, have a kid, have more kids, educate them, get them off to school, and we move on to the next stage of life. You missed out on the depth. You missed out on what the purpose, putting yourself and making yourself into an instrument to be able to connect and to be able to really build that love between you. So that's what he did. He set that up. And when they realized it, when they realized that at that moment, when she made that, when she made that step of saying, you know, you're the most precious thing to me and I want you, that's when they realized, okay, we don't have children, but we have each other. And what happened to our love? What happened to that? What, why did marriage just become a technicality of practicalities? What about building that love in that relationship together? Once they did that, Rabbi Shimon said, okay, now you made yourself the instrument. You made yourself the instrument to bring it down, to bring down that blessing, to bring down that connection. Now I can help it. You made yourself into the instrument. Now it's there. Now I can bring it down. Now the tzaddik can light the flame. Before that, he couldn't. He can't just change over. It's a reality. Spirituality is a reality. It's not a joke. 
It's not fluffy, touchy-feely stuff. He put it into just like the nature. He created the instrument they created. Once they created the instrument, they could bring down the Wi-Fi. He can bring down the spirituality. And that's what he did. Now you have to ask yourself, how do you bring down the spirituality? Rabbi Shimon was able to stop. That's why the mourning is over. The mourning period of, of this, of not listening to music, was all because of the students of Rabbi Kiva. They died, 24,000. Because they weren't respecting one another. When massive Talmud scholars, people that know the secrets of life, know all of Torah, cannot respect each other, one another, it just becomes a technical book of knowledge. You lost out all of the spirituality. They destroyed the instrument. They broke the system of spirituality and they died. Rabbi Shimon was the builder of recreating that instrument. And that's why we have a big party and that's why we dance and sing because he rebuilt the instrument of being able to recreate relationship. Life is not about technicalities and practicalities, even if you're religious. It's about bringing and making yourself into an instrument of bringing down the spirituality. Every single one of you have that responsibility. It's not about technicalities of when I become quote-unquote religious and how many points I get on the scoreboard. It's about transforming you into running, into making a relationship in your life Real relationships. First and foremost, finding obviously that someone in your life that you can permanently make a real relationship with. Not on technicalities of, okay, we're going to get married and then we'll have a kid and then we'll have some more kids and then we'll, we'll build a retirement fund. No, it's about really building a relationship and giving over some, to someone fully and developing a relationship based on love, which is only an analogy, again, that whole experience, the reason why we created this, this was whole creation of love, is to have that ultimate relationship also, an analogy for you, to have that relationship with God. Not based on technicalities of points of a religious scores, but real relationship in every aspect of life. In learning, in praying, in understanding all aspects of life. It has to be you're creating the instrument to bring down that spirituality. Hopefully during this time, which is tomorrow night, it's there for you. That energy, that flow that Rabbi Shimon created with the Kabbalah and the depths of it is that instrument to bring down that flow. That flow is for every single one of you to create 
and understand what you're doing in life is not some practicalities of fulfilling certain goals that you set for you, which is, which is good. Again, goals are goals. It's good. But realize there's something so much greater. It's creating within yourself the element, the instrument to bringing down real spirituality, real life, real love, and real depth. Thanks for coming. Oh.